0: chop it down. chop it down. chop it chop it down, You chop it it chop it chop it You watch him throw the ball. We gon' pick it up. You gon' let them hit the hole or you gon' cut it off. You gon' play through fourth and long or you gon' punt it off. Your defenders have you hit us, put your pads in. Don't be looking for the ref to throw no flags in. Keep the helmet on, keep the cleats tight. You the type to want to win by any means, right? You should look alive. This is Trapper Dive.
1: Yes, sir. Welcome back to another episode of the Trapper Dive podcast provided to you by 214 Media and Haven. I'm your host, Molly Maul, Hand Dog Maul, Coach Mall, Jamal Force, all that good stuff, man. And um look, man, Eric B Me is hired. We gotta talk to people. We gotta dig out some information. We gotta um get some perspective, some additional perspectives to this hire. Um, and we got a, a good episode for you today. Uh, Jason Four is joining us on this episode, joins AJ Dre and myself. Um, listen. First and foremost, before I even continue, uh, like, comment, subscribe if you are on the visual side. If you are on the audio side, make sure you leave a rating and review if you can. Uh, it's definitely appreciated. Uh, but first and foremost, uh, now that that is out of the way, uh, yeah, Eric B is here. And um, Washington Upgrades has a clear upgrade over Eric b I mean, over Scott Turner, excuse me. And all of us at this point is, is re- pretty much looking forward to... <laughs> this, this new offense, this new style, this new language, this new, um, the nuances that he'll bring to this team with the weapons that Washington has in place already. And, uh, I can't wait for one. I know there's plenty of people who can't wait to, to kind of see how, uh, Eric Bien-Aimé does this thing. Uh, but in terms of uh, a macro, a uh, uh, national perspective, uh, with a little hint of familiarity, uh, Jason Lockham is very good for this, opportunity to kind of give his perspective on a person like uh eric being me uh from uh, a, a league's perspective and how the league may view him right uh but also from a coaching perspective and how the ron rivera situationship <laughs> status unknown i guess right now with with the commander's ownership in flux um and, and ready to get um Transferred to a new owner soon. Uh, he, he kind of speaks on that as well. And, uh, I, I'm, I'm, it was a very good discussion and, and it, it expanded outside of the range of just Eric B in Washington, Ron Rivera. Uh, it, it goes even further and it, and it goes a deeper dive into the, the workings and the inner workings of the NFL and, uh, the business side, as well as, uh, the, the discrimination, uh, the, the layered discrimination that goes, uh, for the players, as well as uh, minorities and black people altogether. Um, however, uh, you need to listen. Um, he brought some really good perspective, man. It was a really good conversation with uh, Jason Lockleford. He even gave us a little bit more time uh, than we anticipated. So I appreciate him for, for doing that. Appreciate him for stopping by. Um, if you haven't already, make sure you go ahead and listen to the interview or check out the Trapper the, the Dive podcast with Grant Paulson as well. Uh, we get a a national perspective and a local perspective from two um, experienced members of the media. Um, so that is a, a really good deal. We got some more guests on the way. Combine starts next week. We busy, man. Everybody's busy. Um, but we're all looking forward to to chopping it up and and just um, getting our thoughts and fleshing out our thoughts on everything with the enemy, everything with the commanders, everything with the draft uh, moving forward. So uh, we definitely. I appreciate everybody who tapped in, who is tapping in and, and showing some love. So with that being said, uh, check out this interview with Jason Lachlan Ford, man. Um, it's, uh, again, a great conversation. So uh, I can't wait to play it back and, and check it out uh, once more and pick up some of the nuggets that he dropped. Uh, but, yeah, that's it for me. Um, enjoy your weekend. Uh, stay safe. And until next time, peace. Joining us right now is NFL Insider and co-host of Inside Access on 1057 Jason Logan Ford. Jason man, I appreciate you joining us today. How you feeling?
0: I'm good. I hope you guys are well. It's never a dull moment there in uh in Commanders Fanville, huh? It's always it's always something, but hopefully uh better times are ahead with somebody else owning that football team. Well, I think the
1: good news, uh, I guess, for, for this portion – well, it, it depends because we'll, we'll eventually get to Ron Rivera in um, ownership. Uh, but the good news, I guess, for now is uh, Eric Bien-Aimé is uh is in, is in Washington, and it's, and it's a seemingly uh, upgraded position from, from Scott Turner. But I guess we can start there, oh, yeah. obviously, and, and just get your overall thoughts on uh Bieniemy and, and the significance of, of that hire for Washington.
0: Yeah, I, I mean it's beyond time for Ron Rivera to break out of his sort of uh bunker, if you will. And this idea that they had this like super elite coaching staff in Carolina and I'm just gonna pick all them up and move them here and we're 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 the best and the brightest. Nah. I mean, no. There's a little too much cronyism for my liking. So um yeah, it's it's for me, it's it's far beyond time that they let somebody else kind of take the wheels of this offense and I don't know that you're going to find a better resume than than Eric Biennemi's on that side of the ball. And obviously, he felt like it was time to sort of leave that thing in Kansas City, as difficult as it is. I talked to Eric. We had him on my radio show, I guess it was about a year ago. Um, and he still obviously very much wants to be an NFL head coach. But I think at a certain time, you, you probably have to reinvent yourself a little bit. And if people were holding him working under Andy Reid against him, which is kind of crazy because – It worked out pretty good for Doug Peterson. It worked out pretty good for Nagy and these other cats who got opportunities. But if whatever, if that's part of the narrative holding me back, then let me get out of that shadow and go somewhere, especially in this case where the head coach is on the defensive side of the ball. The head coach is not going to meddle on offense whatsoever. Um, So, no, I I like the hire. And, uh, you know, uh, he's someone who is more than deserving of at least running his own offense.
1: Since you've been in the league, though, um, since you've been covering the league specifically, have you, I don't even think we've, I don't think anybody's ever experienced a situation, mean, and I may be wrong, I'm young, but have you ever experienced a similar situation to, to Eric being to me? I mean, I, I don't understand the factors that, that could even be uh, in play when you have 15 different interviews for 14 head coach opportunities um, and yeah. you strike out on all 14. And, and when I say you, I don't blame Eric Bienemy because I don't know the fact. Sure. But what do you think those factors are that are in play for Eric Biennami not being able to get well, this?
0: Yeah, I think unfortunately, you know, Eric Bienemy's kind of become the face of the league's uh, vast issues with diversity and um, multiculturalism and embracing um, people in power. Embracing, empowering those at the highest positions of their football teams who don't resemble them in background, color of skin, life experience, all all of that. There continues to be um, inherent biases at play. I'll just call it what it is, racism that has held back a multitude of highly, highly, highly regarded and highly qualified candidates from from reaching that pinnacle of a head coaching job or a GM job um, or a team president job. Uh, the, 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 the multitude of interviews Eric Biennemi's had and and the, sl- the the sort of span where, it, you know, we're talking years now where Eric Biennemi's been talked about as a head coaching candidate, but seemingly his odds of getting a job have have gone down each of the last three or four years. Yeah, I think there's something somewhat unique in that. But it, this story is not endemic to Eric Bieniemy. I mean, Steve Wilks and the way he's been treated as a disposable coach numerous times, including most recently in Carolina, that's shameful. I mean, you're telling me that there's 32 men more qualified than Leslie Frazier to coach an NFL football team? I think that's shameful. The way Jim Caldwell was cast aside in Detroit so they could bring in some Bobo with a pencil behind his head, you know, to run that thing in the ground and map Patricia, like – Because the GM was from New England, right? And he wanted to hire his guy. Like, that's shameful. I I don't know what's worse. You know what I mean? I feel horribly for all of these men. Um, And, yes, Eric Biennemi, I I think, has sort of become the name, the face that uh, for years now has sort of been um, the embodiment of this league's failures. Uh, I I hope he has an opportunity to succeed in Washington and, and maybe get an opportunity to run the whole thing himself and look someone's going to spend six plus billion dollars for that football team and they might not want to have running all things football operations so as much power that was bestowed upon Ron Rivera by this outgoing owner that may be all the reason for the new guy to or, or, or gal to say nah no, I'm, I'm not going to go that route. I got other people I can promote. I want to create a different hierarchy. I, I, I'm i not spending all that money and then watching Ron Rivera run all facets of this organization in year one. I don't have to do that. And if they are thinking like that, then for me, undoubtedly, Eric Biennemi would be the next man up. And Jason, I
2: wanted to ask real quick, I mean, because you touched on all of the things that, you know, the biases against Eric the or, you know, him being the face of, you know, the diversity amongst coaches in the league, but over the past couple of days and weeks, and even for a while now, we've heard LaShawn McCoy kind of rip into Eric Bieniemy a bit and, you know, talk about how he talks to players. And that's been kind of one of the knocks on Eric Bieniemy. But one one of the things I no- noticed with LaShawn is that he seems to have an issue with Eric Bieniemy the way he talks to star players. Now, I know you have a lot of access to these guys around the league. Now, do you get the sentiment that a lot of these guys, maybe like the Kelseys and things, they have problems with the way Eric Bieniemy communicates to them?
0: No, I mean, look, Andy Reid is a sharp cookie. Andy Reid's going to go down as one of the three or four best head coaches in the history of the NFL. If there was issues like that, you don't think Andy Reid would have nipped it in the butt? You know what I mean? Like, like uh, you're not going to you're going to coach a lot of different individuals in the course of your career. And, and Eric Bieniemy's now pretty pretty deep into this thing. Um, and let's not forget Eric Biennemi played the game at a super high level and knew what it was like to be in these locker rooms as a player. You're not going to get a hundred percent seal of approval from everybody. If you are, I, you know, you're probably doing it wrong because you have to ruffle some feathers. Different guys need different approaches and you're not going to solve that riddle with every single player. But like, it's not like you've seen a whole bunch of other dudes jump up behind Shady McCoy and, you know, cosign, 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 cosign. I I Actually think it's been the opposite. Yes. Yeah, I think it's unfortunate that, I mean, it's clearly there's something personal there. Um, it's really unfortunate that, again, this whole, that this Eric Bieniemy issue is still at the forefront. It's unfortunate he hasn't had an opportunity to sink or swim on his own as an NFL head coach. And so it's allowed, you know, this the, the more it drags on, the more voices get attached to it, the more noise, um, the more people feel like they have to chime in one way or the other. But no, I mean, like, let's look at the track record of the person he's worked for. Andy Reid has not had difficulty doing things that at the time were – I'm old enough to remember him firing Sean McDermott when Sean McDermott was, you know, the internal next man up. And, um, you know, he had been there for a while. And after a couple years, it wasn't working. Sean McDermott turned out to be a hell of a coach, coordinator, and head coach in Buffalo. But, like, he was the boy genius. Until he wasn't. you know. So it's not like a- Andy Reid just keeps everybody around all the time just because of whatever. I mean, they've won a lot of football games there with Eric Bienemy contributing.
3: Yeah, I definitely agree with you, Jason. I think we definitely would have uh, had Andy Reid nip it in the butt. I mean, he's been around so long. No way he would let that happen in his organization that he runs. But one of my questions is um, – Last year, we had Ron Rivera and Martin Mayhew come out aggressively and, and tell the media, whether it be the, the local beat writers and then the national media, how bad they needed to solve the quarterback situation. In that move, they ended up acquiring Carson Wentz and giving up capital and taking up a bulk of their salary cap. Now, fast forward to this year, after during the season, you know, seeing Carson Wentz didn't pan out still a mention of quarterback. The fan base has been told by Ron that (laughs) during the Super Bowl press run at a radio row, as you know, that QB1 is Sam Howell. Mm -hmm. Do you believe what Ron is telling the fan base? And also with you having familiarity, not just with the NFL, but more in particular the Baltimore market, Do you believe that Washington could possibly be a landing spot for Lamar Jackson if things don't get agreed upon on a guaranteed side uh, of his contract?
0: Well, I do think Sam Howell is QB one right now. I mean, you look at their roster and how it's constructed; he's going to be given an opportunity to, I would say, lose that job. You know, I think all things being equal, that pendulum is is on the side of let's see what we have in this young man. You know, we've done the retread quarterback thing quite a few times now. And let's lean into the, the good things we saw in him that led us to draft him. Frankly, at a position where myself and a lot of other people in the league didn't think he'd still be around. So I don't think Ron is embellishing or, you you know, I don't think that's hyperbole. I think he's being honest and candid. Now, are they going to add somebody to that mix? Absolutely. Uh, do I think it's going to be Lamar Jackson? Probably not. I don't think they match up as well as trade partners as some other teams do with the Ravens. I don't think Lamar is getting a long term deal here. I do think Lamar is going to be traded. I think there'd be a little bit of trepidation about trading him. You know, thirty miles down the 30 road. 30. You know, like I, I <laughs> just think all things being equal, like knowing Eric DaCosta a little bit, like I, I don't, I, I think he'd be scared to do that, frankly.
3: Um, well, I asked I ask that because. We, we mentioned the ownership group, like uh, we even see in the NBA where the Suns owner, like his first day as the owner of the Phoenix Sun, he, he in, in empowered his GM to go and make a splash move and acquire Kevin Durant. Now in Washington, if you're going to buy this franchise that has unfortunately had to change their, their name from the Redskins to football team to commanders, do you see that ownership group that would be spending possibly upwards to $7 billion saying, hey, Ron, we're not going to rely on your word of going with Sam Howell's QB1. Let's do everything in our power to provide as much trade assets to acquire a superstar on and off the field in a Lamar
0: Jackson. Well, the problem is timing is everything, right? And this thing's going to get done quickly. If, the, if they don't get a deal done by March 7th, they're going to have to go all out to explore trading him because he's going to sit on an unsigned franchise tag and he doesn't have to show up for anything. And they just hired a new offensive coordinator. They're installing a new offense. And the young man who was the unanimous MVP just a few years ago is going to be in South Florida, rightfully so um, because he doesn't get paid till week one. So I don't think they want to go down that road. So I think this is going to come to a head at the combine and, Unfortunately for the commanders, they're not going to have a new ownership group by then. You know, I think even ha- even thinking you're going to have one by the end of March to me is a little ambitious of a timeline. I think it's more likely this thing gets voted on and ratified at the May meeting, in which case Lamar Jackson's long gone. Derek Carr long gone. You know what I mean? Aaron Rodgers is long gone. I don't think that this owner is going to be able to make that sort of blueprint, fingerprint, here I am move. I think if they make that sort of move, I go back to what I said before, I think it's saying, I'm not kosher with how this team is set up. I'm not kosher in a football coach who I didn't hire having this much control over everything in football operations. That's where I think the rubber can hit the road. I don't think timing-wise that that next guy or gal is going to have the opportunity to do that at the quarterback position because I think the previous regime is already going to have made their bet. And I think it's much more likely it's a Gardner Minshew type who comes in here to push push Sam Howe than it is Lamar Jackson to come in and, you know, be the face of the franchise. And, and
2: Jason, I got one more question on Eric Bienemy. Now, for me, I kind of look at this hire as like a, a desperation kind of home run move for Ron Rivera. Is this kind of it? Like, does Ron Rivera see the writing on the wall with this, Eric the enemy hire like this is the guy that's going to you know be my last chance at salvation to keeping his job with new ownership looming or is this a situation where he just looked at Eric the and said all right well he's the best out you know and I'm going
0: to get get well, I think it's a little bit of both um you know I, I I think you look at some of the play calling you know you, you look at was it the home game against the Giants and some of the the blocking schemes, yeah. you know, back, backed up in your own end zone? Like, I, I know there was a lot of frustration in the organization, like, how the hell are we trying to block that guy that way? You know, when you start talking about Thibodeau and the guys coming off the edge for the Giants. So I think the die was cast there, where it's like, man, that was a missed opportunity. If we button things up a little bit more there from a, from a, a pass pro standpoint, maybe we're in the playoffs and not the Giants. So I think at that moment it was starting to become clear. And then how late it took for them to get to Sam Howe. Now, do I think that's all Scott Turner? No, I think he probably had a voice in it, obviously. But that's all Ron Rivera. But, you know, coaches don't they don't fire themselves. So I think the momentum was already heading in a different direction. Bienemy, um, I think Eric enemy would make sense to a, a lot of franchises, let alone one in that situation. But the Chiefs win a lot of playoff games, so you, you can't get Eric Bieniemy until the end. So, um, you know, I think that was th- that timeline was baked into the cake. Like, why fill that position without getting to have, you know, a, a, a real look-see at Eric Bieniemy and a real opportunity to sit down with him and just the way this thing works, you know, you've got that really early bye, and then, and then they don't lose another game. So I, I don't know that, it's a – like, he, you know, him looking at it as, as like, I had to get a big name. I think it's just – it would make sense to talk to people like Eric bien just like it would make sense to talk to Greg Roman or talk to Todd Munkin or any of those guys who are highly qualified. Now, to your initial point, I do think Ron Rivera sees the writing on the wall. Like, the yeah. old – like, he, this was one of the, – like, the two people who have to feel really kind of, like, right now are Jason Wright and Ron Rivera. Right, those were the two things that Dan Snyder kind of said. This is, I'm giving it all to these guys. They're, don't don't look at me anymore. I'm on my yacht. Don't worry about what I'm doing. Like these guys are fully empowered. They're going to be compensated heavily. They're going to be given a lot of control. It's on them, and it's still a mess. And a lot of the reason it's a mess is because of the dude on the yacht. But it's still a mess. So I just don't like. You spend that much money for something. You can't really change the roster. Free agency's over. The draft is over. What can I do to start pushing this in a direction that isn't the SS Dan Snyder anymore? Well, I'm a business mogul. I know people who can run a business. I know people who are more than qualified to be an NFL team president and— there's people on that on that coaching staff who, if I decide I can't live with a coach having that much power, there's somebody else who I can just promote and say, you're the coach and everybody's reporting to my new team president and that's how we're operating and I'm going to reassess everybody in January and then we'll decide. Do I want a new coach and a new GM? Do I want to empower the GM and have the coach report to him? Do I want to get that person who's my new team president completely out of football operations and just run the business side? Because now I've been in the league for a while and I've got some people who I think can help make my organization better in a bunch of different ways. But the fact that you're the last two signature major moves that Dan Snyder made and all that's going to all the dirty laundry, all the baggage, the cloud, the Snyder cloud that has been hanging over forever. I just don't think you spend that kind of money and say, yeah, I'm just going to live with all that. I'm just going to keep it as is. I'm going to do it how Dan would have done it for one year. I don't think anybody's going to do that. I think they are going to say no offense Ron, no offense Jason, but I got I got to do some things differently here. I'm not just going to write it out for a year the way that cat would have wrote it out with his people.
2: Jason, I love your passion. If I didn't know any better, I would say you were a Commanders fan. <laughs> of just, I just don't like Commander's
0: fan the like the rest of them. I love the passion. I, I don't like fans getting taken advantage <laughs> of. I don't like um I, I just there, there's a lot about this league and and the way um that, that the powers that be try to like bamboozle people that I, I just, I, I don't have any, I'm too old for that shit. Like I, 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 I didn't, nah, I'm just going to tell you what, what's going on, what I, what I see.
3: And I just wanted to jump in real quick because it's very few times that we've had like this peculiar situation with ownership change uh, kind of maybe happening before free agency draft period. Do you know anything about how the Denver Broncos last year handled their situation uh, in the mix of selling their team, but also acquiring uh, a new head coach and also a Russell Wilson and giving up that capital and new contract?
0: Yeah. I mean, the, the, the ownership groups were, you know, they were, they looked at the books, they knew what was going on, um, but they weren't, they couldn't, make any transactions so like the whole nathaniel hackett hire i mean that was done you know by george payton who had been hired as the gm and done by the you know i can't remember which of the Bolin sibling grandchildren was sort of like the de facto team president you know it was it was that cast of characters who really ran that show and acquired russell wilson the the first thing ownership did was pay russell wilson you know that that was on them But really everything else they inherited. Um, So, yeah, it creates these sort of messy situations. And like, again, is this new owner going to come in and say, do I want to fire Ron Rivera in November or whatever? You know what I mean? If it comes to that and make the switch then. Or do I just do it now? You know what I mean? And start to sort of evaluate this new thing rather than just be comfortable with how it was already set up by these people who now are mostly short-termers and see what that looks like.
1: So um, Jason, I, I have a couple more questions with you, but the the one thing that you mentioned, mentioned um, and you had, you had mentioned like the bamboozling and things like that. And uh, I think that's real important. I mean, and, and I think it's important too, from a, a perspective of like, you have years of experience in the league you have you years of experience communicating and, and and trying to get to understand people within the league uh coaches gms owners etc uh like if you had to kind of like paint the picture of what that stuff looks like the 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 way that you know people are kind of being mistreated without naming anybody i guess or without naming a particular situation like how how does that look like because I'm not sure, like, the, the public and, and people that's even listening, like, have a idea of which angle that was
0: headed. Well, I just think, like, we talked about the Eric Biennium situation, right? I mean, there's there's inst- there's yeah. a threat of institutional racism that runs through this league and many of its organizations that prevents it from being a meritocracy. That isn't about the best and the brightest. It's about who you know, who your agent is, who your daddy's agent was, what your last name is, who, you know, who you coach with. Cronyism and nepotism are a scourge on this league. And that is also part of why we don't see the best and the brightest rise and why we don't see more diversity because there's, that's still, there's still very much an old boys club network thing going on. Um, and it's about, I get this job and then I get my son and one of his buddies on and now we we keep them yeah. around and I'm going to go take them wherever I go and they're going to get the NFL pension. And they're like, it, that, that's too baked into the cake in this league. I mean, i I'm, I'm it amazes me that no one talks about team payrolls in the NFL. It's like, it blows my mind. You talk about it in every other sport, but no one ever talks about how much money these billionaires actually spend. All we ever do is talk about the salary cap. And, oh, I can't do this because of the cap. And, oh, I'd love to do this, but all that 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 salary cap. Like, get the hell out of here. I mean, there, there's teams that spend $80 to $100 million over the cap if they wanted to. It can be done. But these billionaires who... <coughs> have a system of corporate socialism it's a monopoly first of all 32 teams is arbitrary you're going to tell me you couldn't have 40 nfl franchises in north america alone of course you could they don't want to share the pie they don't they don't want expansion fees they want to keep their cut of these billions and billions and billions coming to them and then they hide behind the salary cap for not paying players more and you got people running around saying daniel jones isn't worth 32 million dollars really really He's not worth $2 million a game to do something that nobody's been able to do there for a long time win football games with the quarterback. Like, why are you worried about John Mayer's money that he inherited from his daddy? Like, it blows my mind. Like, it really blows my mind. Like, no one talks about payroll, no one talks about who's actually spending money and who's not. But they're getting $350 million from the, the broadcast networks alone to show their games a year, each of them, right? Then you got the Amazon deals on top of it. Then you got the new Sunday ticket deals. Then you got the gambling sponsorships that are no longer just on paper. That's a full-blown revenue stream. And we're playing more games internationally. Who cares what it does to the quality of the game? And we're expanding the season. And we expanded the playoffs. But Daniel Jones, but, but get all up in, in, in Daniel Jones for wanting $30 to $40 million a year to do something only a certain number of people on the planet can do. Like the salary cap, man, it, it's amazing to me. It, it, it has – it's all – it's it, it, it's the – Greatest boogeyman ever created. It gets fans to to take these owners off the hook and tell these players give back for your team. Well, what is Steve Buscemi giving Jason, are you in favor? Lamar Jackson,
2: are you in favor of the MLB? Are you in favor of the MLB style where there's no salary cap? You just don't <laughs> spend money.
0: Well, I, I mean, it, people are sort of more held to account there, where where there is a greater disparity between the haves and the have-nots in terms of what their actual revenue streams are versus the NFL where they're, they're all sucking from the same corporate teat to the to the, the tune of over $400 million a team each year, each owner, before they sell a hot dog, before they sell a beer, before they sell a jersey. You know, like, so, yeah. There's a lot, you know, that, there's a lot. That yeah, that, that's, I, lo- there, I love the
3: passion. That, that, really that's great. why the Mar Jackson <laughs> situation is, is going to be a fascinating case study because I feel like, the Browns owner, Jimmy Haslam, he created himself as being an outlier and paying Deshaun Watson that fully guaranteed contract. Another owner doesn't want to be that guy to set the precedent because there are two other – well, three quarterbacks coming up on new deals and Jalen Hurts and Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow. So I just think that these these owners are scared, like you said. They, they're just trying to keep as much money to themselves as possible, and they don't want to be – uh, someone that creates a precedent for Lamar Jackson because there's no reason in the world why he doesn't have this deal done <laughs> already. He doesn't have it yes cause after he, year four.
0: He doesn't have it because Steve Bisciotti can take advantage of a CBA that has a franchise tag mechanism that takes someone who has earned the right to free agency. Not so fast, we're snatching you off the market. Yeah. I mean that's that's the only. I mean that he he year three was a proven year. Because that's the year you find out if you're going to get paid or not. Year four becomes a prove-it year, and then the fifth-year option becomes a prove-it year, and now they can have another prove-it year for a franchise tag for a young man who did something three years ago that hardly any people have done in the history of this game. Unanimous MVP. Like They could have given him uh, a bonus at any point in time. They could have added incentives to his contract to the fifth-year option or any of these years. They could have said, we're, we're, we can't get where we want to get with him, and we're not all the way there, but here's a new bonus structure. Here, here's a new incentive package. Here's per-game roster bonuses because we know you're worth a hell of a lot more than the $33 million we paid you through five years. They did none of that. Lamar Jackson's operating under working rules that were put in place when he was in elementary school. Right, if you start tracing back these CBAs and when the franchise tag started and all that, like some of it was established before he was born. He's literally born into it, but he's the bad guy for wanting what other people not as accomplished got. I mean, whatever.
1: Jason, man, we we definitely appreciate you for coming through and, and even give us a little bit more of your time, man. It's I we love the passion and, and, and the insight for sure, man. And, uh, again, like I said, thank you. Uh, I want to give you the floor just to plug in ah. anything and everything that you got going on as well so that people can know where to find No, me. I mean,
0: thanks. You can, you can listen to me from 2 to 6 on 105.7 The Fan in Baltimore. Um, find me on Sportsline doing some gambling stuff. Uh, I'll be doing some draft coverage back in the Washington Post coming up here in the next couple of weeks, ramping that up. Um, yeah, I think that's mostly it. But, no, thanks for having me, man. We'll definitely do this again. I, I appreciate you guys.
2: Oh, Jason, yeah. before you go, do you have a play tonight? I mean, you said you did the game a Hatland. <laughs> do you have a hey, play at You know what? I, same, I, I, I ain't want bring it up. I'm probably
0: going to make a play on this Maryland game tonight, but I have not I, – I I haven't gotten into the numbers yet. You know what I mean? I, I haven't really dug deep. But, like, I have been making a lot of money on the Wizards as well. I'll be real interested to see mm-hmm. their, their line on Friday. um you know, when they've got Kuzma healthy and KP healthy and Beal on the court at the same time, they're they're playing at a 50-win clip. So I'll be interested to see where that, you know, where some of their scoring props are. Um, but I've been betting a lot of Wizards overs. Um, you know, even when Kuzma was out, a lot of Wizards overs were hitting and kind of par- parlaying that to some individual um, Beal and KP uh, going over their scoring totals. So that's worked out pretty well. I'll know more on Friday. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Damn, set, huh. Watch him throw the ball. We're gonna pick it up. You're gonna let him hit the hole, or you're gonna cut it off. You're gonna play the fourth and long, or you're gonna punt it off. Your defenders have you hit us, put your pads in. Don't be looking for the ref to throw no flags in. Keep the helmet on, keep the cleats tight. You're the type to want to win by any means, right? You should look alive. This is Trapper die.